0: Hey everyone welcome to Beyond. wait wait wait
1: who are you where's chris
0: Uh, chris is gone thanks for interrupting my i was told (laughs) chris was going to interview me no i'm interviewing you and we're here with debbie Uh, (laughs) worse i'm not the worst i'm I'm top five for sure no Uh, you're not well anyway welcome to beyond sunday thanks for interrupting steve uh this is the third week of our fear not series fear of intimacy was a topic and we're here with debbie curtis steve Madsen, who just got done preaching Steve, uh, fear of intimacy. What was your first initial gut feeling when we said, hey, fear of intimacy is gonna be a great weekend for you. Okay,
1: when you surveyed people and this one came out, was it, wasn't was it number one that people wanted to talk about? It was close. Yeah, it was up there. I was like, okay, well, that's not gonna be mine because I don't know anything about that. What is that? <laughs> I, I don't have that.
0: So talk to us about the process you went through to get to like where you were okay with as it. As soon as I
1: started reading on what fear of intimacy is, I'm like, oh, I so have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hide behind a public persona, uh, sometimes to my own detriment and it's fear of rejection. It's fear of shame. It's, it's all these other things that when those words came out, I was like, that's fear of intimacy. Hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> I just thought everybody had that.
0: I think we do. I mean, Debbie, maybe you can speak to that a little bit. What's th- this idea of fear of intimacy or fear of vulnerability, shame, everything else. How often do you see it in your counseling practice and everything else that you do and the people you connect with even
2: yeah I see it a lot it's probably the root of most people's issues you know you you need to make that emotional connection with somebody to have a relationship and so oftentimes people come to me because they're struggling within their relationship and it's because Mm -hmm. they're nervous about opening themselves up and becoming vulnerable and being Mm. authentic and with who they are Mm. yeah
0: So I'm curious with with you guys personally, you shared a little bit about this in the sermon, but what do you personally struggle with um, when it comes to opening up or being vulnerable? Um, Is there a specific part of that that you struggle with? Or is is it like past situations or experiences that you've had that you're like, yeah, I've learned my lesson? Or is it just an innate fear that you think we have?
1: I think for me, you know, I got in touch with my uh, approval addiction years ago mm-hmm. in therapy, and I just thought everybody needed the same amount of approval I did. Mm-hmm. And there was a Christian therapist who said, Steve, you know you're, you're off the chart on approval addiction. He says, you even try to get my approval, and I'm your therapist. I, I don't need to approve of you. I need to know you so I can help you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he quoted different things that I would do or say to try to impress him. And I was like, "Well, why is that bad? Aren't you supposed to put your best foot forward?" He goes, "Yeah, but it's not even your best foot. It's not really you. Mm-hmm. You're trying to be who you think I want you to be." Yeah. And I had to f- even figure out what that meant. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a minister's home in the fishbowl of being a pastor's kid, where people would literally tell you how to behave yourself because your dad was a pastor and I tried to play into that hmm. and uh, didn't realize that that was creating a very unhealthy self. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I remember I was a, a middle school student on a, a church trip and the student ministry worship leader, I was like causing trouble in the back of the bus or something. No, we're, you were, we're not. not. But she came back and she grabbed me and said, you need to be, you need to act better because of who your dad is. And I was like, get off of me. So I I know that, I know that feeling, but I think that was instilled in me then too. I don't know if it's as much um, approval as it is. Um, I, everything in me just doesn't want to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Like I push against that so hard. Like Mm -hmm. there's only a few people in my life that I've really let in Mm -hmm. that close. Do you know why? Um, Well, it's interesting. Amanda and I talk a lot about, our personalities and some of my personality that's just i want to be in control or i don't want to be controlled and so i think not wanting to be controlled leads to if you know something about me you'll have the upper hand over me and then you'll be able to control me and i'm not a fan of that right so yeah so it's something that we're processing working through but what about you deb
2: Uh, well i I was just thinking about something that you said within the sermon about being Um, likable being likable uh, is very difficult, and most not everyone is going to like you, right? So, keeping that close to your chest, keeping those things that maybe are not likable close to your chest, uh, lacks the ability to be intimate and to be vulnerable and open up. But yeah, so for myself, I mean, I think for me, come it's, on, really, yeah, we're, we're asking you tell like, everyone, ah, right tell now. These <laughs> <are> like the <laughs> negative core beliefs that I have about <laughs> myself, right? Just, I have start to start listing them. These. Just tell us what they <laughs> are. Um, definitely. I want people to like me. Yeah. I want people to feel like I resonate with them. And I don't, oh, I'm don't. i not always likable, and I don't always resonate with people. I think another one that really gets me is that uh, I want people to think that, that I have intellect. Mm-hmm. And my negative core belief often is I'm not smart enough. So I'm not gonna show you who I am. I'm gonna stay closed in and I'm not gonna open myself up because what I have to say might not be a very smart thing. Mm. And So that's probably the the thing that I struggle with the most when it comes to opening myself up.
1: I bet that's really common. I bet a lot of people have that.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people do. You know, I was just meeting with somebody today and the person I was meeting with had a really hard time expressing what their thoughts were. I knew they had all these thoughts in their head Mm -hmm. and I knew that it was really powerful. But they lacked that confidence, that ability to, to open themselves up and say, I have something to say and it's important. Mm-hmm. And so they stayed shut down. Wow. And because of that, we had a really hard time making that connection today.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the very thing they're doing to protect themselves mm-hmm. is the thing that's keeping them from what they crave, which is to be loved, to be respected, to be known. To but they're belong. doing things that sabotage that.
0: Yeah, right.
2: exactly. This vicious cycle
0: that we're on, yeah. So I'm curious, Steve, you mentioned, I think there's a a bunch of stuff you said about how we can process this and work through it and be more vulnerable and open and intimate. But there was three three that really stuck out to me, and that was, you said, uh, getting into community and just jumping into it. And and staying there. Don't like jumping
1: from church to church or community to community. Right.
0: So that was one, and I want to talk about all three of these. Um, The second one was uh, you said confession is like therapy which I want to unpack that with both of you. And then the third thing you talked about um, feeding our minds with the truth of who God says we are. Mm -hmm. And so there's some scientific things that I think we can process with each of those things. But I'm curious, before we get there, in light of what you guys just said, how do you personally, how have you personally dealt with this fear? Like you said earlier when we were just talking before we started recording, like I used to be pretty hard on myself, but you're not anymore. Nope. So how have you have you overcome in some of those ways?
1: That's an interesting question. I'm not sure I know how to answer it because it's been a slow process for me. I remember when it was pointed out to me what an approval addiction I had. I went the other extreme and I would try to do things to get people to disapprove of me. Hmm. Hmm. Like I would jump off of the pedestal and they hadn't even created one for me. But so I actually did would do and say things that were intentionally offensive.
0: Like you were testing them to see how yeah. how far you could push.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Look, how, look how I really am now. I dare you to not like me. And that's not healthy either. So over time, well, maybe over time, I've learned to appreciate myself and like myself. Hmm. And if God likes me and I like me, hmm. My natural assumption now is you'll probably like me. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, um, okay, you have that right. I don't don't care as much as you think I do. Mm -hmm. But I also don't not care. I just don't care so much that I'm willing to mask my personality to get your approval. Mm -hmm. How I got there, I don't know. I think you'd have to be 60 years old and have gone through all the ways of doing it wrong I honestly Steve I don't know how to answer that well
0: I think you said Mm -hmm. something that it reminded me of something we've talked about before you said I've learned to love myself and I think when we even think of the greatest commandment that Jesus said love God with your heart soul mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself there's the love your neighbor as yourself so in order to love your neighbor you have to love yourself like you have to be okay with who God created you to be and be content with that and get to this place where you're like, I'm created in the image of God. I'm an image bearer. And that's an okay place for me to, to sit in.
1: And here's a crazy piece of that. As I've gotten less judgy about myself, I've gotten less judgy about everybody else. Mm-hmm. I really am loving them the same way I love myself.
0: Well, well That's good. Deb, what about you?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, what was the question again? So
0: you talked about your like negative core thoughts. What are? Yeah. What, how have you overcome some of those? Or, or, or mm-hmm. maybe not overcome, but... Mm-hmm dealt with or try to get to a healthier place
2: yeah first and foremost it's been my relationship with God right Mm -hmm. Um, I I sat down and I read the truth about myself I'm made in his image he knows every hair on my head Mm -hmm. he loves me unconditionally regardless of my behavior he still loves me and he has a purpose for me in my life and so meditating on those truths and refuting them the lies with the truth Mm -hmm. has really helped me to overcome uh, my own core beliefs about myself and they've turned into more positive core beliefs about myself and it's the same thing right when you're less judgy about yourself you're not as judgy towards other people
1: you're so so
0: much more relaxed yeah so there's a a scientific term for what you just described that you've Mm -hmm. You taught me a few months back when I was preparing for a message about my mind, our minds, Mm -hmm. and you talked about neuroplasticity and things that get hardwired into our brains. Can you explain how what you just said about what we read in scripture has actually been proven scientifically.
2: Yeah, it's so cool. I love that. Yeah, and I love
0: that the authors of the Bible knew stuff before science knew stuff. Yeah, isn't that great? <laughs> and that yeah. when it's
2: confirmed with science, like, it's like, yeah, yeah we yeah. got it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, you know, they used to think that our brain was hardwired, mm-hmm. but it's really not. Um, we w- These negative core beliefs that we have about ourselves, they are wired within our brain. But if we Uh, refute it with uh, truth Mm -hmm. or if we change our behavior and by doing that our experience is different we create these new pathways these new connections in our brains that create new beliefs about ourselves and new behaviors so those old pathways that we once had, those negative core beliefs that we once had.
0: That were it, there. They were in there. They were, they were there.
2: actually there. They were pathways making a connection with the receptors. Right. They start to die off. Hmm. And they're pruned away. Just like God says he wants to prune you. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing that happens to your brain when you focus in on truth hmm. and the truth about God's love for you and what he has for you. Those negative core beliefs begin to get pruned away and become weak.
0: And I think that's when you're talking about memorization of scripture, that's Mm -hmm, so much of what that is. And it's just such a, it's such a practical, useful, applicable tool. And it's not just like, hey, you should remember, you should memorize scripture because you're a follower of Jesus. And that's what we're supposed to do. It's like, no, 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 this is, this helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus and how, understand how God sees you and how God sees the people around you too.
2: Yeah. And it's literally changing your brain, Hmm? changing the pathways in your brain.
0: That's fascinating.
1: Like physically changing. Physically it. Like, like changing. You could measure it. Yes. Wow. Yeah, I have a friend whose parent told her, You're never going to amount to anything. You're, you'll be lucky to get a husband. You'll be lucky, you know, just you're. And that's what played in her head until she met Christ. Mm-hmm. And she literally had, and what the way she did it was by memorizing scripture, and she would have that thought, and someone had told her, You can take thoughts captive, because that's a scriptural th- concept. And so she would catch that thought, that negative thought, take it captive, and then hold it while she replaced it with scriptural truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then she would just release her grip on it. And over time, I mean, this is a person who's got great self-confidence and has really done well in life, but it's because she decided to. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, she was very intentional about that. And she has to be. And she
1: still has to be. It's not over, but it's definitely better.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's the that's I think the the the, the uh, meditation on scripture and memorization of scripture part that you that you touched on. What about when you said confession is like therapy? I don't know if I've ever heard someone say that before. And when you said it, I was like, oh, I gotta write that it's down. So great. Explain that, and and I want to hear if you have any sort of counseling input from that. It's like when statement. your kid
1: eats poison and you give them something to make them throw up. That's what confession is. Confession is throwing up the poison. That poison is in you and it's going to stay there until you get rid of it. Hmm. But God's word is the catalyst that will get that out of you. And um, God's word, one of the, the, it, uh, the Bible talks about the washing of the word. And that's literally like your eye just got uh, acid dumped in it and you just keep bathing and flushing that eye like for a long time. And that's the word of God. It flushes our system. When you have toxicity in your system, one of the things that a trainer will tell you to do is to drink a lot of water as you exercise because the water itself flushes out and cleans your kidneys and cleans your liver. And that's what I'm talking about. Confession is, is, is therapeutic Mm. in that regard.
0: Hmm. Deb, what do you, what would you add to that?
2: Yeah, you know, when you're holding something in, uh, it has power over you. Mm -hmm. It's very powerful, uh, whether it's a negative core belief or an anxious thought that you have. But when you confess it, when you open up and you talk to someone about it, it loses its power. It does not have that power over you. Mm -hmm. And so vulnerability is the the same thing. When you're vulnerable with somebody and and you're making that connection with them, it's that... that, That fear that you had loses its power, and then you're also making a connection with an individual. Mm -hmm. So you're gaining power. So uh, remember how um, Paul talks about uh, his weakness becomes powerful mm-hmm. right in mm-hmm. in God's power mm-hmm. it's it's the same way mm-hmm. you that weakness that you're holding so tight to your chest when you open that up it all of a sudden becomes your strength yeah yeah
1: someone told me that when you name something you take its power away mm-hmm. and yeah, when when it's inside of you you're not naming it but when you confess it now it's out there and you can it's still powerful mm-hmm. But it's not as powerful.
2: And it loses its power over you, right? Mm-hmm. It's not as powerful over you.
1: Because it doesn't own you anymore because you called it out. Right. You're the one that busted yourself.
2: Yeah. Hmm. And everyone loves you for that. Yeah. Well, that's what <laughs> that's you're talking about. That's the other thing.
0: People saying like, you're real. Like, yeah. You're so real. That's they always such, say that. You're so real. Such a good compliment. But it really, is. Really, they're saying, you're so messed up. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you're just like me. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Um, Okay. Last thing that I want to touch on is you mentioned getting in groups, staying in groups, not hopping around, community churches, etc. Right. Get there, plug in, stay connected, and I think this is the part that, I mean, there is a few parts that I think people would have to wrestle with with today to figure out how they can how this can take shape and take root in their own lives. But the community piece is, in my opinion, the most difficult part of this because. The church has been, the big C church has been historically bad at when people open up about their weakness or their sin, being gracious and merciful and compassionate and kind. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to the person who is a part of the group where someone's opening up to them?
1: Hmm. Huh guard your body language, guard your facial expression, guard your first response once that person is obviously opening up because that's what they're going to remember.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think those are those are the moments where you talk about being hurt in the past or, or we, where you've been where you've been burned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For Amanda and I there's been church experiences going back 10, 15 years where it's like, oh, remember when we thought they were safe and they weren't safe and we paid the price for it. So that's what you just said. And it wasn't even like they came at us like this right away. It was, mm-hmm. and we're like, oh, they're not okay with us. Yeah. So
1: they just judged me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and
2: that's when you become a stumbling block for somebody else, right? And guard your mouth too. Mm-hmm. Somebody confesses something to you. C- keep it to yourself. Mm. Hold that. That's a privileged place that you're in when somebody comes to you and they want to open themselves up to you. So um, guarding your mouth and protecting that individual, and don't be don't be that stumbling block for that person because they've come to you and they've taken that risk.
0: Yeah, I think of I think of Cornerstone Fellowship, and I think Cornerstone's done a good job of this. We have a lot of really healthy groups where people are open and honest and vulnerable, and they encourage one another. But I think between the three of us. We would implore anyone who's a part of a group right now, if someone does open up to you and if they're vulnerable and if they're intimate and they take that courageous step, like what you talked about, that vulnerability is courage, we have to be a church, especially with, we've put a lot of eggs in this community group basket and being connected with one another. We have to be the church where when people open up to us, um, we represent what the early, the early church represented. represented. So.
1: And the best way to promote that openness is to be open yourself. Yeah. I think the older Christians need to lead the way in this and not act like we have it all together. The older Christians are the ones that need to constantly be telling the younger Christians, Oh no, you know, you're doing great. You're further along than I was at your age. Let me tell you a story. Let me let me encourage you. I've been surprised how much with, in, with both Brenda's relationships and mine, how much we'll talk at the end of the day. And just that we were encouraging to someone was almost more than any other impact we had. That they, because they look to us and they, they think you know they admire us, but then we listen to them and we we encourage them and not flattery but true encouragement. Um, Oftentimes that's what they really needed, Mm -hmm. and uh, that we say you know you're, you're okay and you're gonna be okay, and yeah what you're going through stinks and you brought some of that on yourself. I I agree. But that's not the issue today. Today we move forward, and uh, you can't live in shame. You can't live in—you have to just get that out of your system and move on.
0: Well, I've seen you do that. Like you you even mentioned it in your sermon. I've seen you do that with multiple staff members or people you interact with where you go, Oh, yeah, you messed up, but listen to how I messed up. And it's just like that openness and vulnerability— um, it's like vulnerability begets vulnerability. It's mm-hmm. like if you if you open up, someone else will too.
1: I met with uh, a woman after one of our services this weekend who said, wow, when you said shame, something popped up that my that I did years ago that my none of my children know. And her children are adults, and she said, I'm going to figure out a way to sit down with my kids and say, I know you'll forgive me of this, but I have to tell you something. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to just hug her because – I know that those kids are going to just go, Mom, are you kidding? You're awesome, and thanks for telling us. But that's what popped up in her, that she's still really ashamed of something that she's kept secret. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, So s- after this weekend, she's going to give it a name, and it's going to stop having power over her.
0: Mm. Yeah. That's good. Well, anything else you guys want to add before we, before we close up this episode of Beyond Sunday?
1: Um, fear not. Yeah, you have nothing to be afraid of. Um, God is with you, and God loves you, and He sees you. So, mm-hmm. you're okay. You're gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. Stop believing lies. Believe the truth.
0: Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much. Join us next week for the fear of rejection. It's kind of like part two of this conversation today. So,
1: my buddy Kim Rogers is back up. Yeah, and she's gonna talk. Uh, She's got a powerful message. I've I've seen her notes, some of her notes already, and you're not going to want to miss Kim's message on fear of rejection.
0: All right, see you guys next week. Love you.